Welcome back to the Two Up Top podcast. This is episode 23. Uh, this week, we will be discussing the effects of a new manager on the Premier League sides. The interesting race to fourth place between Arsenal, Chelsea and Man United. And hopefully, we will have enough time to dive into the Championship. New ground and discuss Spygate, which has been quite a hot topic over the course of the last two weeks. Um, but obviously, we're going to just get straight into it with the, uh, I think, start off with Huddersfield, who obviously uh, more recently sacked David Wagner, which I found a bit of a surprise. And they have appointed what? a Dortmund man in, what's his name, Phil? Uh, we're going to go with Jan Stewart. We'll just go for Jan, I think. Yeah, probably um, best. Yeah, we say sacked, but it, it was listed as left by mutual consent, which we know a lot of the time doesn't mean what you think it means. But I actually think in this case, it does mean by mutual consent because Huddersfield loved him. Yeah. And I know they're doing badly, but they probably just felt, I just feel like Huddersfield, there's, even if he was there, even if they put Guardiola in charge, there's not much they could do at this point. They're just doomed, I think. So this new manager coming in has got the perfect scenario because he can't do any wrong, really, because if, if they get relegated, well, they were 10 points adrift when he took charge. You know, do you think um, he's there he, for the long run? I don't see why not. I like, he's he's looking to get his teeth into management. He's obviously come from Dortmund under 23s, like the same as Wagner did, getting yeah. his teeth into management. Um, it's a decent project. You've got a Premier League team who, yeah, again, like I said, you can do no wrong because he's either going to move up the table, out of the relegation zone, and be an unbelievable coach, or he's just going to get them a few more points and try, I don't know, just it can't look that bad, you know what I mean? Because they're already ten points adrift. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, the only thing is, has he got enough time to recruit the right players to fit his mould? Um, and also, what kind of what kind of style of play is he going to bring? Because my my made my main concern, if I was a Huddersfield fan, is what if it's a De Boer, De Boer, like similar appointment in the sense that he's going to come with this this want to play nice, attractive football, high-press game, um, but he won't have the time to bring in the right players um, or the players aren't adaptable, which I think a lot of the Huddersfield players aren't. They're quite, like, they've got, like, one dynamic to them kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of player. We, obviously, we predicted they were going to go old school, didn't we? Yeah, well, I just didn't see any choice, but... You've got to think that he's looking at Huddersfield. It's not like they're often the job is thinking, yes, I'll take anything. He's probably looked and thought, I could work with this. Like That's why he's probably gone there. He can he looks at the players. And I was thinking, teams like... I often say you need a, a mix of like flair and, and solidity, right? And I've always said like Burnley have probably have too much solidity, not enough flair. Teams like Fulham, who are struggling, have too much flair. And I think... Huddersfield might surprise you in that because I always think of them as not an attractive club to sign for, but they've got a lot of flair players. Like they've got like, like not just flair, but like international players. You know, you'd expect like just to be full of championship. You know, like Jonathan Hogg just to be a team full of them. But you know, they've got Mbenza, they've got uh, Congolo, they've got uh, Mounier, um, and they've got a lot of players who have got a little bit about them. So maybe he does see something in this team. How important do you think it is that new Mue Mue? Moy, Moy, oh lord! How important do you think it is that Moy like stays fit? 
That's a new one for you. Aaron Moy. It was awful. <laughs> I just, I butchered it. I absolutely butchered it. It's Moy. It's Moy. It's always been Moy. Moy. I don't know. Moy. Moy. Yeah, he's the, he's the star man. Um, a lot of their problems have come from having this, this like not enough goals. And I actually saw in, uh, oh, God, I don't know the guy's name, the caretaker manager is like Hudson or something. Uh, Mark, Mark Hudson, Hudson. Yeah. Yeah, he, he didn't play with Munir or the Poitra up front. He played with like, uh, was it in Benza up front, I think, or something like that. He played with a not recognized. So obviously he probably doesn't rate the strikers. And maybe it'll be interesting to see if Jan does the same, if he plays someone up there who's who's not used to it. Just to Because what's the point of sticking with what oh, the same old manager did? Yeah, they're in a position now, again, he can't lose. Why not yeah. just completely flip it and try and play some good football, at least to you know please the fans and get some enjoyment back? Because they're, they're a good set of fans at Huddersfield. And, if you can get the crowd on board, they are they are good. Uh, they make a lot of noise, and you can, uh, you can get you can get them on board, um, and then maybe can improve the improve the performance on the pitch. I obviously I went to watch Saints play Huddersfield at the uh, John Smith Stadium, and I get it was quiet, um, but teams like that who are struggling. I mean, the Saint Marys was quiet when Mark Hughes was there. It was quiet when Pellegrino was there. Um, however, since Hassan Hootel's come in, the noise has gone up. So, okay. So, I, I guess I watched them at a time where the morale was low kind of thing. So, so I'm sure, yeah, they can probably get mm. behind the manager. Um, question is, is it is it too late? Do you think they've got any hope of survival? Yeah, I think it's too late. I think it's too late. But, I don't. again, I don't think it's too late that they've got a new manager in. I just think they're doomed. Like they could have done whatever they like. Again, they could have put in Guardiola. They could do what they want. I just think they've got no chance, mm. really. Like oh, yeah, you've seen other teams yeah. come back from from ten points behind, and it was just yeah, it is ten points, right? But the teams above them, you'd say like are, are doing worse than they should. Like the teams who were ten points away are Newcastle, and then you've got Burnley and Southampton eleven points away. Those yeah. teams shouldn't be where they are. So they got potential to change their fortunes but Huddersfield you couldn't say the same do you know what I mean that it doesn't seem like they could they're just playing bad they just they just are bad do you know what I mean I don't want to yeah. be mean but like it's like Southampton are playing beneath themselves but they're going up Newcastle are playing beneath themselves but they looks like they could be improving so before we touch on the two teams who were in a relegation battle with them and have um since changed their manager their manager the teams around the bottom the Cardiffs Newcastle Burnley's Maybe, maybe even the palaces. Can you see any of those four changing their managers, or do you think that this is it for the season? Well, I'll start up from the bottom. Newcastle. I, I've always felt, and I've said for a while, that if they're going to lose Benitez, it'd be his choice. Yeah, he would. He would leave. But again, I think he would do it at the end of the season. I don't think he'd do it mid-season because it. Everyone talks about he's not getting the money. He's going to be upset, but he knows what he's in for. And if he just can't take another season of it come the end of the season, that's fair enough. But I don't think midway through he. He'd pack it in. I saw Burnley. something. Sorry, I saw something in the papers which was saying that if Benitez doesn't get the back in this January to bring in new players, that he will be leaving in the summer. Um, but I saw yeah. Mike Ashley was linked with a move for HMV, yeah. <laughs> and that's actually true. They, they actually are. No, and he did house a Fraser as well. So like, why is he spending more yeah. money on failing shops and the failing squad at Newcastle? Yeah. Uh, Burnley, I don't think will part ways for Sean Dyche. I never felt that like they've stuck with him before. I just, again, Burnley, I just don't see. Even if they went for a complete change, it's they're just too. They just the whole 
system is not just because of Sean Dyche, it's because of the players. It goes so deep that I just don't think a, a simple manager could change that. Like yeah. what I'm saying about yeah, about the new Huddersfield manager is I feel like he could change a system because of the players he's got. They've got a bit of flair. No one could go into Burnley and completely change the way they play. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you there. I think Burnley massively lacking flair. I think Cardiff as well massively lacking flair. So maybe, mm. could you see Warnock leaving? I, I can't personally. I don't no. think he will. If he does, I, it will be in March or April when they're already, it's like an yeah. impossible job. But again, it's like future. he's loved there. Um, but, but we saw Wagner go, and he was loved there. So, yeah. but this is his first season. Like Wagner had difficulties at this, you know, the same last season. Um, yeah, they started yeah. really well, but then I yeah. think their form in the second half of the season was just dreadful. Mm. I think they're the, they're the worst team. Obviously, they they had a whole year where some of the teams only had half. But in 2019, uh, 2018, I'm pretty sure they they achieved the least amount of points. Yeah, um, but yeah. they were they they were poor in the second half of the season. So I suppose the troubles have been there longer than just this season. Yeah, but to answer your question, no, I can't see any managerial changes. To be honest, and I think we might be set for a while. To be honest, like Fulham aren't going to change again, surely, because that just shows a complete lack of faith in in the board more than anything. Like if you're going to employ a manager, then you know there's there's no chance. Again, what I said, Crystal Palace, they're, they're, they're not doing, they're, they're so much better than where they are. Like they played obviously 4-3 against Liverpool, lost, but I was thinking they're so much better than where they are in the table if they want to be. Like they turned on obviously against City and Liverpool. Maybe it's like a motivational thing because when they turn it on, they've got, they can really play. But is that not potentially a manager's fault? Is it, is it the manager who's not able to motivate the team? Yeah, but you should be motivated yourself, shouldn't you? That's a classic argument. Yeah, um, I don't see him going anytime soon, but I think the Frank de Boer appointment is one that it should have excited Palace fans. Like they want a kind of Frank de Boer who can take them for like Roy Hodgson's not an exciting. He's a, yeah. a, a, a ship steadier, but yeah. they just didn't give the Boer any time. Um, like these players, the, the, the problem is that they they want to bring in uh, foreign managers who might bring in a bit of excitement, and they don't give them time to try and settle that in, right? So it's like. With the classic with Frank De Boer, it was like, we'll bring him in because we think he could really change our style of play, makes it exciting. And then it's not going well because it's a, such a huge change. Right, let's get rid of him. If you're going to make a change, stick with it because it could work out in the long run. Oh, yeah, for so sure. So if Palace do it again, they're going to need to stick with it because it's, it'll just be embarrassing by that point. Oh, yeah, that's completely true. Um, but if you if you had to say next to go, who, who, who would you say? I think Claude Puel. I mean, oh yeah, okay. I yeah. I can't see him surviving past January. Yeah, really. Um, but I'll I mean, tell you who they should go for though. The manager that I said Southampton should go for, but obviously wasn't available at the time, and I still don't think would be available until the summer. Is Brendan Rodgers. I think he's he's done enough at Celtic. What can he yeah. really do there? And he is for some reason people look down on him. I don't understand what the problem. Is. He got Liverpool to second, almost winning the league in a team that was nowhere near good enough to win the league. I don't know why people think he's so. They got this thing on like on social media that he's like a joke. He's a, he's a good manager, and I, I wanted him at Liverpool because it seemed like he could build a project. And I think he could do that at any other team he went to. Like right, if Newcastle, definitely... if, if Newcastle got rid of Benitez, Rodgers should go there. Like he's a good manager who could take Southampton, Leicester, even a West Ham up the next level. I really think that. 
Yeah, oh yeah, he's definitely a manager who deserves that second chance. Not even a second chance. It's not like he yeah. was bad at Liverpool. Yeah. It's just Liverpool have such high expectations and the fans yeah. do as well. So a lack of trophies almost yeah. is like, can't say that they did very well. But um, I mean, we'll see Rodgers back in the Premier League one day. Yeah. It should be soon because what's the point? What, what can you really achieve at, at Celtic? Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's move on to, uh, should we go to Southampton, your team, who are, who are on the up in the last few weeks? Oh, massively on the up. But what's incredible is we've not brought in any new players. Um, sure, there, there were players who weren't getting a sniff under Hughes and players who were getting all the game time and they've swapped out and that's steady the ship. Um, I want to talk about Jan Bednarik for yeah. um, a little bit because at, at, at one stage he had more minutes for Poland this season than he did Southampton um, and we're still getting in the Polish side. Um, since he's come in, he's been unbelievable. He's been an absolute rock. Um, he's, he's quality with the ball at his feet. He reads the game so cleverly. Against Leicester, uh, he got behind the keeper, cleared a ball off the line and he did the same at uh, Everton, Chelsea. Um, I think Chelsea... He did the same thing. So he reads the game and he's a clever player. Uh, but he didn't get a sniff under Hughes. Whereas Wesley Hoot got all the game time, was a shambles. And now he's today just signed for Celta Vigo on loan. So it's mm. absolutely gutted to see him go. <laughs> but I feel like we've said it before, like right near the start of the season, you could probably go back and find it. That we talked about Bednarik being one of the best options, but just not getting a sniff because yeah. like Hughes was... We get to a point with with that kind of manager when they're scared to change because it's if he brings someone in and he doesn't perform, it's then like you don't know what you're doing. But the irony is that he sh- he should have done the opposite. He should have brought him in because the player he had in at the time was shocking. You know? Oh yeah, for sure. But and, is uh, it? I think yeah, it's, it was clear to see he had a bit of potential, and the reason they signed him in the first place is because he's got a bit yeah. about him. But you also look at the players who since Hassan Hootel's come in have really almost started to live up to their potential. Um, Nathan Redmond's been incredible for us. He he started well this season, uh, but was working hard, playing well, but wasn't really backing it up with stats, the assists and the goals. Whereas since Hassan Hootel's taken over, he's in the goals. He looks confident. He's playing with a smile on his face. And I know that sounds so like, so like wet, mm. but um, he's he looks like he's enjoying his football. Uh, James Ward-Prowse is another one. He, and our reports came out that uh, he was actually on his way to Leipzig before Hassan Hutel. Really? Yeah, he was approached. He had been approached by Leipzig um, to join them in January, and Mark Hughes was happy to let him go. Since then, he's taken on a very strong role. Hassan Hutel said to Ward Prowse that he needed to be more aggressive. He needed to up his aggression in the game because there's, there's no doubt that he technically is a fantastic player, but there mm. was always doubt. Around his like aggression and his 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 will and his fight to be a proper like nitty gritty centre mid as well as a fancy yeah. down one, but um, it, it, for me it shows that managers can have such an impact on a team if they yeah. use them in the right play. Because Southampton, I, don't, I will I will be absolutely gutted if this comes back to bite me. But we're not going to be in a relegation battle. We're going to yeah. finish comfortably mid table. And then you look on ahead. And that's maybe what teams around us are looking to do. Maybe that's what Huddersfield's hope is, that they they get rid of 
Wagner and hopefully they can push on and look more towards the future. But I mean, it's it's looking good at Southampton finally. Yeah, well, there's two things I want to quickly touch on. War prices you're speaking about because I've never, I don't think I've ever said it, but I've quietly held like reservations about it because I know Southampton fans love him and you watch like interviews with them and you know it's the same when you watch interviews with Spurs players they always said the best player was Dembele and now yeah. he's been shipped to China that's Southampton they always say the most technically gifted player is Ward Prowse but I never ever saw it he first of all he never really played he never got goals and assists he might take a nice free kick nice corner every now and again but I never saw it but I guess the managers put faith in him as you said and he's starting to perform and it was about time because it did look like, in my head, I was going to just write him off because it's like yeah. you can have all the talent you want, but if you can't put it on the pitch, like he's been around for a few years now. He's been around since you got promoted, isn't he? I remember oh, yeah. Yeah. the promotion season and he's never just really kicked on. So it's now or, or never. And it looks like he's starting to perform. Yeah, I started to feel this early on in the season that maybe he just wasn't going to live up to that potential. Uh, not that I was losing faith in him, but I just... Like you said, he's been around for a while and he's not pushed on beyond what he was. And I just thought maybe he's just a championship player, but hopefully yeah. he can now really push on. Um, and yeah, but then the, yeah, the other thing about the new managers is whether it's a new style or whatever, a new manager, no fan is going to get a new manager and not be positive and not think, right, let's we can get behind them. No, man, no fan is going to see a new manager and start booing them. So you know it's going to be positive around the club, and that can affect the players, and it just gets the ball rolling. Even if you, okay, you can maybe not. Sam Allardyce might be—he's the one exception to the rule. But no matter who you, like this guy, no one Huddersfield fan knows anything about Jan Stewart. But I guarantee you, in their first game, they'll be clapping, cheering, they'll be, you know, gearing the team on. There's no reason why they can't, you know, snowball some good results because all you need oh, is yeah. a couple of goals sometimes, you know, just a little lucky goal. Or um, so I wouldn't be. Surprised if, uh, well, I'd be surprised if they get out of the relegation zone, but upturning their results, I definitely expect to see. Um, Fulham, though, we haven't seen that with them. Ranieri, the new manager, in, and I was screaming out for they needed to change a manager because they could, what I said was they could bring in a manager who could look at the team and players they've got and change it around because Jokanovic was being too loyal to the players he had in the championship. He's not changed it. He's still playing Tim Room. Room's still playing. But and we we discussed this just before we went live. Um, God, that sounds so professional. Um, just before we we yeah, since, um, but we we discussed is he playing Tim Ream because that's all he can do. But that's yeah. not the case. Callum Chambers, who is a centre back, is playing centre mid. So that's an easy swap. Take Tim Ream out. Tom yeah. Kearney's on the bench. Maybe he's settling him. In doesn't want to rush him because he's back from injury, but Tim Ream, he needs to go. Yeah, or sign a new centre back because I know they want to Cahill, and that would be a great additional many accounts because he's a good player, also because he'd have the experience. Um, but I, I did read that, like, which makes understand. Like, I think Cahill wants to go on loan. He doesn't want to sign permanently for a team that might get relegated, which is fair yeah, enough. Yeah, that's because fair. you can. He, he's probably too good for the championship. Like, he can still do a job at any team, really. I, I think and I just think Fulham would be silly to just let that one go just get him on loan just any help you can like when we, I think we've both played centre-back in our lives sign me up if you want I'll be better than Tim Ream I'll do a better job than Tim Ream I reckon <laughs> they've got that? Dennis Adoy Dennis Adoy is about four foot five like he doesn't look like a proper centre-half I, I don't know where he came from I'm I like yeah. I'm not saying my championship knowledge is outstanding but I kind of have a fair 
mm. like knowledge on the players around there. But I don't remember anybody talking about Dennis Adoy. So mm. I don't. Yeah. I can't. Was he signed this season or was he a championship? No, they did. They he scored one of the goals in the playoff semi final. I remember he scored the winner. I just remember the commentator saying, "Oh, Dennis Adoy, the most unlikely goal scorer." Probably because he, he's not good enough. But yeah, they definitely need change. Like they can bring in all the the babbles, Vieto, Schurlers that you want. You need they need to reassure their uh, their defence before they can even think about changing their results. They're in the relegation zone at the minute. Next game, obviously we've got FA Cup this weekend. So next week is against Brighton. A game Big like game. that, you got a win. It's at home. You got you got a win because they're not six pointer really because Brighton are out of it, but. That's a game that, that you need to be looking at thinking, right, we, we should win this. Yeah. That's got true. to win them. Uh, but, I mean, we talk about, obviously, what this Huddersfield new manager could bring in. We talk about Hassan Hootel changing up this style. Uh, with Fulham, he's kind of not really changed it too much. But mm. these new managers, a lot of them haven't brought in any reinforcements. There's been a horrendous lack of transfer activity. Yeah. I don't know and what it is. Teams around the bottom, surely that 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 looks worrying. Um, I I I, I'm less concerned, but I still think there are there are places that Saints need to improve, and it's not even like it's a lack of signings; it's a lack of talk. Yeah, I just think a problem a lot of them are facing is that no one wants to sign. Like January is just built on loan deals, really. How many times do you go on the transfer? It's even like. The big players, Morata and Higuain, are going to come in on loan initially because it's just easier to sort out a loan. And yeah. they can't, the teams who are in the relegation zone can't even persuade someone to come on loan because why would you? Like, if you if you don't have any interest of signing for, for Huddersfield permanently, you're just going on loan to prove to your parent club, whoever that may be, that you're a good player. You're not going to look good, really, in the Huddersfield team because they're not playing well. You want to go for a team that's going to make you look good. You know? Oh, yeah. um, so... Uh, maybe, maybe like Jan will bring with him some players from the German league, some youth players that are like, oh, well, where's he got these from? You know, that he, they don't know, you know, the players that we've never heard of. That's probably what they're hoping, you know, they bring in some, youth, some nice talent. But in terms of Fulham, like the players they've been linked with, it's been slim pickings, really. Oh, yeah. Hopefully this means that we'll have a bit of an exciting end to the transfer window. Um, yeah. But like, surely every club looks to bring in at least one player. There's no club who can sit in their current position and say, we do not need anyone. Even Man City, yeah. even Liverpool. Yeah. I feel like Liverpool need, like we said last week, potentially um, a quick fix. Man City, potentially a quick fix as well. But every team needs someone. Yeah. And it's just, it just seems mad that I, I wouldn't necessarily say any team has has achieved that. Not really. I mean, Bournemouth have done three signings, to be fair to them. They signed a striker, right back and a centre-back. Positions that, okay, maybe not striker, but they need cover because Wilson's occasionally gets injured. Mm. We have long held, my, well, my opinion, I think most people have, that the defence is just not good enough. It's still the championship team. Yeah. Uh, they've changed the right back now. Um, they've got a new centre-back in alongside who, who, if he could, whether they trust him straight away, I don't know, but if he can form partnership with Ake, Mepham and Ake, Klein at right back, you know, it could be a great team. They have um, Rico as well, Diego Rico, who is in and out yeah. of the team, but he could, so it could really be a new look back four for Bournemouth. Exactly, yeah. if, he, if, he puts, if he puts faith in them, that's the thing, like, it's so, you probably think, do I, I know I've signed him, but it's like, 
I've, I know what Steve Cook can do. This guy's yeah. kind of an unknown entity, but you've got to take a risk if you've signed him. You've got to play him. You and look at some players. Like, sorry. Oh, go on, go on. I'll just go. like the risk, the risk works because you look at someone like, I mean, Deli Alley is always the prime example. Yeah. Signed from MK Dons for as little as something like five, six mil and mm. just was out of this world. And you just looked at him and thought, as if that this guy was playing like yeah. in League One, League Two, and wasn't really banned a huge eyelid, but he's he was tearing about the Premier League, and he's not. It's not even like he's dropped down. So these players, if they take the risk on them, it can it can it can work in a good way. But it's, mm. it's whether it's whether these managers are, are really wanting to take the risk. Bournemouth are in a situation where, I mean, the risk is available for them to take really it's not going to cost yeah, them an awful lot they're not going to really drop down in any more places like the 12th i think like okay if they go to 14th what's what's 12 to 14th you know if you're yeah. building for the future like you might as well put him in now a season where you're definitely going to be safe and then you can build for next season you know you can get him in so then by the time the next season comes around you've got an established defense ready to start the season and push on yeah for sure especially with them Obviously, they they won at the weekend, but they they are still I'd still consider them quite off form, given how they were yeah. early on in the season. So maybe it is the right, it's the perfect time, because there's not yeah. a lot of pressure. But then I don't know, I don't know. It's 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 always a hard one. But I mean, Bournemouth need to maybe look at changing something with their back. Yeah. I mean, I was just looking at the last five games. They have got Chelsea next, right? And in their last five games, they'd lost to Tottenham and Man United. And Everton, and now they got Chelsea. You know, it's not been an easy run of fixtures for them. Um, and that great start they had at the start of the season has obviously kept them in the position they are. Because if they've had a mediocre start, they might have been a bit further down. But you do think that they've got the ability to to go up that table. Do you think they've got a chance of finishing in the top ten? Bournemouth. Yeah, I, looking at the table, it looks pretty set. I mean, I would have put Everton in the top ten, and even they're eleventh. You know. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if Watford maintain. Enough yeah. to finish top ten. I mean, that that I, like none of those teams are gonna push. There'll be a big gap between sixth and seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and then I think there'll be a fairly big gap between the relegation yeah. zone and these sort of teams. Like, which well, there's is... already eleven points between sixth and seventh, and then four mm. points between twelve, thirteen. So there's a, there's a period there between seventh and and eleventh. Those teams or those positions are all up for grabs. Yeah, um, sure. I just feel like Leicester, West Ham, Everton, those teams. I mean, Wolves are above all those teams I just mentioned. Like they're doing unbelievably well. It's yeah, that's I, true. I just wish I just wish six seventh was a bit tight, and it was before Man United had that recent turn in form. Speaking of Man U, that was that was a perfect little yeah. push into it because obviously the final managerial change was Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, and at first we kind of spoke like. What's the point? Are they writing off the season? How much transfer activity can he do? But no, no real changes to the um, the team. But yeah. these these players have been outstanding. Like it's like it's that fresh that fresh go that fresh moment. Can't think yeah. of that cliche term. Mm. Um, fresh start. Fresh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> fresh, fresh go. But yeah, I mean, talk about like the thing is, we talk about new manager bringing in excitement. They brought in an ex player who, when he was a player, was a fan favorite. So, you know, mm. you know, as I said, you can bring in any manager, they'd be positive, but you bring in a fan favorite, you're in for a winner. 
but also the, everyone knows the team is so much better than they were performing at. So all he had to really do is just tell them to just be themselves. And it annoys you how much stuff I see about Man United all the time. Uh, no matter what Pogba does, he's always in the headlines, good or bad, whatever. Even if it's the most mediocre stuff, Man United always in the headlines. Like, yeah. And then until they beat Spurs, I was like, yeah, they're beating you know standard teams. And then they beat Spurs away, and then you're thinking, okay, that's a, you know, that's impressive. And it's, it, it is looking like they could be onto something now. It will be interesting. It will be interesting to see if, if, if Solskjaer's considered to um, take the job on more of a permanent role because he's obviously mm. getting something out of the players. And like you said about him being a fan favourite, he's come in straight away. He's got the support of the fans. He's got the support of the board. The coaching staff will have his support. And the mm. players who, in their own rights, will think, would you consider Solskjaer legend status? Or more like and In fan? a different way, I'd yeah. say. In a different way. Not in the same way as like Keane or you know uh skulls is yeah. like they're like legends because they're unbelievable consistent social is legend because like because of what he was and what he did you know he he was known for coming off the bench and score he scored in to win them the champions league you know that's yeah. why he he wasn't like gigs legend but, but yeah. these these players will now like the rashfords lingards uh maybe martial's pogba's they'll look at Solskjaer and think he's achieved something and I mean, how will I feel if I leave the club and I have the same kind of state as he has? Mm. Um, and it's worked in the past in terms of ex-players coming to manage roles. It's not worked as well, but it just seems like he's getting something out of the team, which is taken. They're still the big defensive. Like, yeah, you could argue they were fortunate to come away with the win against Spurs, given the, the amount of chances Spurs had. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's looking positive there. Maybe... I mean, I always tend to bring this up when when I spoke about Mourinho and every manager post Fergie, but man, you never were. They've not been that feared team since mm. Fergie left. You don't go to Old Trafford and think if we get a draw, that's unbelievable. You now go and yeah. think if we play our cards right, we could snatch a win. And whereas yeah. maybe now with Solskjaer, maybe they're going to build back to being that team where Old Trafford's their fortress and all this. So it'd be really interesting mm. to see the rest of the season. Um, and it's also, it, was, yeah, it was a great appointment in so many accounts, but they, they might have been stumbling upon accidentally, like their new permanent manager. I think they just thought it was like a, a stopgap, but like Mourinho was someone before who wanted to be above the team, like in terms of like the leader, he wanted to be a lot of managers like this as well, not just Mourinho. It's like, I want to be the senior, you know, I need that respect. But it seems like Solskjaer's coming in and kind of like their level, like a friend and just mm. saying, just do your best. I'm sure he's got tactics because he is a manager. He's managed obviously Cardiff before and Mould. Like he's not just, they've not just taken Michael Carrick straight out of the team. Yeah. You know? he, he has experience. So he's probably doing some tactics as well, but it's it's like, he he's not going to, he's got authority, but he's not going to be fighting with them every week telling them they're not this. He's just saying like, just, just play your best. And that he knows the players are good enough. And also, you can say, like, you could argue that he's he's putting them out there, but he's he's taking Lukaku out of the team. He hasn't, you know, started Rashford. He's put faith in Rashford, and it's paying off. Oh yeah, you know, sure. all the, these like the stuff he's doing, like even minor changes, are, are coming off. So I don't see why Man United would would do anything different, especially if he gets in top four. I mean, imagine that. Like a few few weeks ago, if they suddenly get top four, madness. It would be, and that I mean. Once again, what a perfect lead on to talking about that race for the top four, which um, 
is there a chance that it will be a really interesting end of season race? Obviously, you always get that kind of fight, but we could be looking at top two undecided last few weeks, fourth place undecided, relegations undecided. It looks like it's gonna it's gonna be a season that's gonna come down to the wire. But yeah. I think teams, I think form, and this will sound all like so simple, but I think form is just gonna be massive. Um, just making getting that momentum going um, for these sort of teams, Arsenal, Chelsea, United, because literally mm. a couple games lo- losing a bit of form, losing could mm. could really uh, dent a hole. Well, I was just thinking as you're saying, every position up for grabs. The only one that looks dead on is Spurs to finish third. Like, it doesn't look like they they'd catch up City, um, like Chelsea. The chances. Like Chelsea are looking more like they're going to drop down than go up. If anything, yeah. you know, obviously they lost to Arsenal, and that was a six-point game. Now the gaps, you know, been closed to, been closed to three. Three points, yeah. All it, all it takes again is one more game like that. Arsenal are in, and Man United have got the same points as Arsenal, by the way. So both teams only within three points to fourth, and it, it's going to. I mean, it just bodes well for for the league. I think um, Chelsea, they're. The club's a shambles. <laughs> it is like it's not just because they've had a few bad results and getting on the bandwagon, but you can see their problems coming. We said it week the way they pick the players, the way they sign their players, and and now we're coming out and attacking the players. It's it's just Chelsea. It doesn't matter who's in charge. How many managers and how many seasons have we had the same thing? And I'll tell you one thing. Actually, this I don't know if it's relevant, but I saw that just annoyed me. They, all this Hazard to Real Madrid talk, yeah, and uh, I saw Hazard say. I, I was thinking about going to Real Madrid after the World Cup and now I've stayed and now, look, I'm playing the best season I've ever played. Ooh. And I'm, that's what he said. And I'm thinking, right, whether that's true or not, Chelsea aren't playing the best season they've ever played. Best so season I've ever yeah. played? He's, yeah, that's what he said. He said, I'm playing, like, his, his argument was like, I changed my mind, like, I wanted to leave, but now look at me, like, it's paid off, I'm, I'm playing really well. But I just, you're not bigger than the team. Chelsea are not playing really well. Hey. So why are you, I just... Players like that, you know, arrogance, it irritates me. Is And I know he's, yeah, I've known him for a while, he's got arrogance about him. And I think people, like, when you see him in interviews, people, like, laugh it off because he does it with a bit of banter. But if you actually think about that, I wouldn't want a player like that in my team who's saying no. he's playing really well, even though the team aren't. Yeah. Plus, Chelsea is, and maybe this is what, this is why new managers never change it, how it is, because they are a team of individuals a lot of the time. And I mean that that quote from Hazard just shows it even further. The sort of the leading player in each team should be the one trying to mould everyone together. So mm-hmm. when they're when they've got the praise and the papers are going, oh, can you be stopped? All this, they turn around and they go, well, I'm I'm playing this well because the players behind me are giving me the opportunity, and they go yeah. about talking about the team in that way, and to sort of like almost just say like, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm I'm smashing it at the moment. Just a shame yeah. all the all the other knuckleheads behind me can't get on board. Exactly. Yeah, but I think every other team around them, like who would you say is Liverpool's most important player? Everyone's mind goes straight to Salah, but I think Van a lot Dijk. of Liverpool fans might, yeah, fans would argue maybe Van Dijk or even Firmino or Wijnaldum was playing well. And then City, would you say it's Aguero? What could be Sané? Could be Sterling? Yeah, Fernandinho. Um. I know you're going with a lot of the outside picks here to try and make yourself sound clever. No, no, um, but that, no, that's generally what I believe. Obviously, yeah, the ones scoring are, but being a defensive player, I appreciate those sort of roles a bit more. 
but then even Arsenal, like they've not got one like standout player, but they're playing well as All a team. Bad. Chelsea aren't a team, you know. And oh no. Even Man United now are playing like to the team strength, not just to some one individual strength. And that's why I think Chelsea are going to be let down by that individualistic, you know, mindset. I think Sarri's being a bit naive and a bit um, what's the word? Oh, shocked that I can't think stubborn. of a word live on pod. Stubborn. stubborn. Yes, he's been naive and mm, stubborn. Because... I don't know that one. Alexa, get away. <laughs> Apologies. Uh, apparently, this twenty twenty third podcast is featuring Alexa as well. But um, as I was saying, I think Sarri's been really stubborn. He's been really naive because he's bought in Giorgino and taken out Kante's proper role. And do you think other players are looking at that sort of thing and looking at how favourable he is towards Giorgino mm. and kind of like wondering what... I don't know. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. and I, I Like favouritism. I, I just want to clarify that we mentioned this and I wanted to go back and find it in a podcast like 15 weeks ago. Bring it up. I know we brought it up honestly, and I'll, I'll maybe I'll try and dig it out. We mentioned this Kante thing, and I'm not saying we're the first to do it because it's pretty obvious. But then you know, I think the cliff about Rio Ferdinand talking about Jorginho has gone around the world. We're not copying Rio Ferdinand; he's copying us. Yeah, right. It, it's 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 not it's it's an obvious thing. Anyone who knows anything about football can point out that he's playing the best central defensive midfielder in the world out of position. And so I'll focus on yeah, like the stubbornness, like it because he he's come in, he doesn't want to. F- he's in a position now where it's like, do I give up and not give up, give in and be like, yeah, okay, I'll do what they want. But it's not, it's, it, I don't think it shows a weakness. I think it shows a strength to show that you're adapting to the league. Like this isn't the same. You can't just be like, okay, Jorginho worked for me in Italy. Yeah. I'm going to put him in this team and it's going to work. And you need to, you need to learn. And no one expects success from a manager in one season, unless you're at Chelsea. Maybe he's just feeling the pressure of being at Chelsea. I think it even shows like more character for you to go, right, I brought in Giorgino um, and I've realised I'm wrong. So I'm going to mix yeah. it. It shows even more character, uh, but there's so much stubbornness around managers in a lot of cases. Um, and I think I, it's, it'll be interesting to see how much this costs them because it's like if, if Cop turned around tomorrow and was like, we're struggling at right back, let's just put Van Dijk at right back. Like mm. to change, like it, people look at that and we kind of think, oh, well, that just seems like crazy. Mm. Um, and Jorginho is not about, sorry you talk about signing like Naby Keita was a player who signed last season every Liverpool fan was excited for a whole year to be excited about and it's not been going well and you know Klopp's not just sticking with him you know he's, mm-hmm. he's helping him out and coaching you feel like everyone was talking about where's the last a few months ago where's Fabinho he's yeah. going to be sold to PSG it's the same with Robertson Oxley, chamberlain you know he's coaching these players to get better it just seems like Sorry, just throwing Jorginho in, thinking it's going to be the same team as it was in Napoli, and they're just hoping it all works out. Like, you could take him out, or you could make it different. It just, if he just keeps going the way he is, it's just not gonna, not gonna work. Oh yeah, and it could, it could massively cost Chelsea. Obviously, at one point they were considered to be title contenders, and people were saying, "Oh, we've got to start taking Chelsea really seriously." Um, and now they've dropped down. I know it's not like they've dropped down massively, yeah. but it feels like they've dropped down quite a distance like I can't remember the last time they were considered in in the title chat or anything and now we're saying is there a chance they'll miss out on fifth place fourth place Mm. and then you've got I mean 
they got a big striker problem, and they they always have. But playing Hazard there doesn't solve the problem. Like I just think they'd be better off playing even Giroud, like yeah. or keeping Batshuayi. You need someone who's actually a striker because Hazard. We I we said this before because Giroud came out and said now Hazard came out and said he likes playing with Giroud because. Giroud's not a typical target man just because he's big. You know, you've seen in Arsenal's best goals over the years, he loves a little flick and, you know, interplay. It's not just about being the goal scorer. He likes setting up goals as well. You know, at the World Cup, he didn't score a goal, but he was integral in their in their play. I just don't see why he's not looking at that yet. Like, sorry, he could look at the France team. Giroud didn't score, but he played every game and was integral in them winning oh, yeah, you know, success. Sure. So a striker doesn't have to be, you know, like Lukaku or... or Aguero, you know, just solely on just getting gold. Yeah. And I think he's just letting himself down there. Like, Willian's not been the same player we've expected and, and Pedro and, you know, just, just change it and you never know what might happen. And it's, it just seems it just seems strange. But it's one of those cases where looking looking from an outside view, it just seems so obvious. Hmm. Um, but week in, week out, it doesn't get changed or anything. I, I mean, Chelsea have struggled with strikers for years i mean diego costa was the only one which has probably been like set the not settled but looked like the part since drogba because they've struggled yeah. in that position so much but costa didn't they obviously the falling out affected his future at chelsea but they've never yeah. had that proper wow look at the striker we've got he's lethal he's going to bang in 20 30 goals since drogba. and i still i don't think higuain's going to be that either no. to be honest I, I said before that what they want and what they should get is a Cardi. Like, I just feel like he fits them perfectly. Um, I, I don't want to keep going over what we say every week, but to me, that just seems like exactly what they need. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, like Man United, they had, I don't know how they got this lucky, but they had that period of fixtures when Solskjaer came in. They had easy teams, you know, you'd say winnable games. And obviously they did go on to win. Then they beat Spurs. But their, their next games, are Burnley, Leicester, Fulham, and then they got, Liverpool, but then it's Palace, Southampton, mm. and then they've got a period where it's Arsenal, Man City. So they've they've got within like the next five games just one big team again, and, and you know it just feels like because they're on a roll, they'll keep going into those lesser teams, just bulldoze, bulldoze, and they'll just, just keep going. Like when you've got the form, as you said, it sounds obvious, but the form yeah. will just carry them through now. And it, I wouldn't be, even be surprised if United overtook Chelsea. Maybe Arsenal finished fourth, Chelsea fifth, or like Chelsea sixth. I just think Man United's form, as you said, will take them over above Chelsea. Yeah. Wherever I mean, that may be. Not necessarily fourth, but wherever that may be. Yeah. We've not really discussed Arsenal too much around this topic, but I feel like we've right. discussed them probably the most out of these teams um, over the course of the season. But obviously, they potentially, the big downfall is a lack of, stro- uh, a lack of squad depth. Because their mm-hmm. injuries have been massively costly. Yeah, they've got so many. Shown again with Bellerin now being out for the season with an ACL mm-hmm. tear. Um, mm-hmm. So you think how, and and um, the manager coming out and saying that there's no chance of new signings, only loan signings, if they can arrange them. So mm-hmm. maybe, man, you were really looking at this going, right, Chelsea off form, looking a little bit low yeah. on chemistry and morale. Um mm-hmm. Arsenal lacking in squad depth, getting injuries here, there, and everywhere. We can see fourth place, and maybe, like yeah. you said, they will bulldoze into that position, and then yeah. just their form will take them the rest of the way to the extent that the, the gap appears. Yeah, 
I mean, it's, it's a while away, but that period, 10th of March, 17th of March, two weeks in a row, it's, Arsenal, it's Man United away at Arsenal, then at home to City. That I mean, that's a while away and a lot could change until then, but that could really, you know... Shake things up. Shake things up. Um, yeah. And I look, I'm looking at Arsenal fixtures now. They've got Cardiff, then they've got City. Come on, Arsenal, do us a favour. And then they've got Huddersfield, Southampton, Bournemouth. And then even they've got two weeks in a row, they've got Spurs and Man United. You know, every, every team is going to have the same. And I'm just looking about like the, the, the next few games because if you, if Chelsea went, I don't know their fixtures, but if I went straight into uh, Man United and then the Spurs, you feel like they could just spiral. Oh, yeah, so what sure. Chelsea need, they've got Bournemouth, Huddersfield, and then they've got City, Brighton, Spurs. Uh, you know, I, what I'm trying to say with the fixtures, I'm not just going to read out every team's fixtures for the rest of the season, but like, Man United, with the, what their form and what they've got coming up, they could keep going up. Chelsea need to change it around quick before that game in, a, in like three weeks against City. Otherwise, it will just, you know. When I brought up the form, I thought it sounded so basic and so like simple terms. Yeah. But now that you've spoken about fixtures, it is even more important. People, you go into games with so much more confidence. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, is, it is huge. You just got to look at Bournemouth. Like at the start of the season, they yeah. had great form. They were beating teams they shouldn't. And then all of a sudden, they're playing. They played against some big boys, and and lost. To, I think are uh, they lost to Man United, maybe Spurs and Liverpool at home by uh, a Liverpool thrashing. But other teams just beaten by one goal. And then they've come out of that, played against lesser teams that are in and around them, and still not. That, yeah. the, even the big teams, even though you'd expect them maybe not to win, they just you go out of your good form, and it, it, it's hard to get back up again. You know, sure, but I mean, yeah. Chelsea's downfall kind of makes the neutrals more excited for it. So there's always yeah. that positive. So big thanks to Sarri for 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 that. Yeah. Um, but he's opened the door for United and uh, potentially Arsenal as well. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, surely if he if he fails. Obviously, this is a absolute hit in the dark. But if he fails to achieve top four, is he gone? That's the pressure of the job, isn't it? It is, definitely is at Chelsea. Any other job, you'd say he's building a project, but Chelsea, they want instant success. So, but yeah. To move have, on now to a, a so. topic that is that is is kind of new to us, a, a league that is new to us. Yeah. Um, but definitely been in the news and deserves a bit of talking about. Now we've not talked about this at all between us. Our, I don't know what your views are going to be. I don't mm. even know what my views are going to be. But Marcelo Bielsa and the old Spygate, everyone knows what's going on. It was a few weeks ago. Do you want to just summarise it just in as quick as you can, just in yeah. case anybody's heard it but not heard enough details? So, Derby were playing Leeds. Um, but it must have been two weeks ago now. Yeah. And in like the day before the game, or maybe two days before the game, they the police and Derby police announced that they'd arrested a man for <laughs> basically it turned, transpired that he was spying. And he transpired that he was from Leeds, sent by Marcelo Bielsa to spy on Derby's training ground. And since then, Bielsa said he's done it against every team in the league this season. He's done it throughout his career. So let's just start off with the basic. Before we go into everything else that's come out since then, is that wrong? Because it's not illegal. So I'm not going to say is it illegal. Is it not against the law? But but should it be made illegal? No. It's easy to say, like a lot of people have been saying it's not illegal, but. It's not, but should it be made illegal is the question. I don't think so. Because realistically, what modern day is, if this was like some sort of, I don't know, 
I don't know where I was going with that. If like modern day football, you've got access to so many tapes. You can literally there are people who are hired to analyze performances by teams. So there's so much detail. It'd be interesting to to know how much how much really they got out of the actual spying because there's just so much you can get out there. Yeah. But and then on, on the flip side, how did this guy gain access to Derby's training ground without yeah. anybody going, Who's this fellow in the dark coat with the sunglasses yeah. and the hat and the binoculars? Well he like, he didn't get away with it. I think he was in a bush, didn't they say he was in a bush? Or was that that because he'd done it in the fixture earlier on in the season, he was hiding in a bush. Lampard said he saw it, but they didn't contact the police because they just sought to deal with it club to club. Um, so they definitely noticed it before. They obviously just thought it's out of order now. But I just think I'd be able to come out and said how much other research, and it's pretty amazing how much other research. I'm sure yeah. most clubs do the same, but the stuff that he does, oh my word, they know everything about every player, every position, formation, corner, everything. But the spying, I just think like, you need to feel at your own ground at your own space that you you can do tactics because it's just it's I think it's cheating to be honest like you should be confident enough in yourself and your researchers okay you can research their fixtures and the way they play but you should be confident enough in yourself to know that you could like beat the team like you don't have to yeah. know their ta- exact tactics I think it's just it's cheating to be honest I think it's cheating I mean we've got a big rare case of a massive divide in opinion here which is rare, see, rare on the two why, podcast. Why? I don't. I can't fathom like why that should be allowed. Like you should be allowed to go to someone else's training ground where they're doing private tactics in in the hope that they can come up with something that will uh, overthrow like the team who are top of the league. And all the team that top of the league are going to do is just watch them do it. Ah, I just it. think it, it's it like Derby might have done something in that game. We're like, oh, the Derby tactical masterclass. But then Leeds have just ruined it i know that that's their tactic but i just think it's not right I, I get what you're saying but at the same time i feel like the technology nowadays you could you you i don't know i don't feel like it makes a major impact and would this be as big a deal if leeds were sat in 15th would it be this bigger deal i just uh, yeah i think spine spine's not on i don't think but also you say doesn't make it much of a difference then and Bielsa said that as well he said it's like the least amount the least important amount of the type of scouting that they do is is the spine but then why do it why what's the point like to gain an advantage even if it's a slim advantage but then you could like go run over Harry Wilson in the street and and, you know if you wanted to gain an advantage where does it stop like you could go (laughs) if we're gonna gonna compare it to it's like it's like diving. It's like winding up players. It's like it's it's gamesmanship. It really is. If teams have an opportunity to get a something over their opponent, whether it's mentally or it's like knowledge before the games or whatever, you're gonna take it, aren't you? Um, I personally, I, I've I don't see a lot of wrong in it. Uh, one thing I have found really frustrating is how up in arms the press have been about it, especially, I don't want to name drop, but like the Telegraph and stuff, given the fact that they spied on the England camp and did all that, didn't see any yeah. wrongdoing in it. And now that Bielsa's done it, is it a bit of an agenda against Leeds? Because like everyone loves Maybe. to hate Leeds. 
Yeah, that's what I mean when I said if Leeds were in 15th, would it be a bigger deal alone? If it wasn't Leeds, would it be as big a deal? Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's a separate issue. But yeah, oh, you're yeah. right about England. I forgot about that, wasn't it? Like they took a photo of Steve Holland holding the team sheet. Yeah. And it, they announced it like, is this? They're probably, some people think, oh, yeah, we get to look at it early. But that you don't, like you're helping every other team yeah. in the world competing against your country. Yeah. Um, the media don't help anything. Yeah. But for me, I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to change my mind. So we could go on and on and on, but spying, I'm, yeah. I'm not having it. I don't think it's it's right. It's one step too far for me. Uh, I, I I feel like you can do, like, like Bielsa said, there's not a lot more that he achieved out of spying. So you could say, yeah, then what's, what's the, the point, point in doing it? But because I but, suppose uh, it will confirm stuff, give it another outlook. I think yeah. it's, it's, I find it no real difference to going to, getting a ticket, going to the match. And watching them play against whoever they were playing the week before. But this is their own ground. Like the fact that they got him arrested means that he's not allowed to be there, right? Because he's 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 not allowed. He's got no permission to be at a private ground. You know, like the media aren't he's allowed to just walk in. Yeah, yeah, he's trespassing. So he's he's not allowed to do that. He's not you know paid for a ticket like anyone else can do. He's done something that is against the law. Um, uh, it's the trespassing but, which is against the law. It's not so. Yeah. Like if I if I jumped over Darby's training ground fence and then started yeah. taking pictures, they're not up in arms because I'm taking pictures. They're up in arms because I'm trespassing. Yeah, but that that shows that what he's doing is he's impeding on their private property. Well, for whatever reason, he, that's illegal. For me, that shows that it's wrong because he's been arrested because he's done it, whether it's because he's fired or not. But anyway, I've heard a lot of people talk about, for example, you know, when in a Champions League game, they train away, you train at the, like, if Liverpool were to play Bayern Munich, they'll yeah. train at the Allianz the night before. And there are a lot of players saying, you know, Bayern Munich will leave a scout out to watch mm. them train. Like, you can watch players run around cones and pass the ball around, but you know then they're not going to be doing the tactics of Bayern Munich out there. Like, people said, oh, it's fine, because they, they used to do that in the Champions League, but managers are smart enough to know they're not going to do their tactics in the stadium where anyone could be watching in the privacy of a training ground you should expect that you you can do what you want to do and not have someone else just spying but you know i just think it's out of order i know this is going to slightly repeat myself so it's going to be the last thing i bring up on it um but for me they're not going to alter tactics so massively that it makes such a huge difference like you mm-hmm. can tell there's ways to stop teams because you see them play 90 minutes. Um, and a team like Leeds being top of the table, they're not going to change the way they play because the way they're playing is working. So they're not going to see, right, Derby are going to, I don't know, play free up top or put pressure on our centre-back or whatever. Let's let them do that because that's what most teams have been doing and we've been doing it well because we are top of the league we're outplaying the rest of the teams. They're not going to go, right, instead of doing that, instead of doing what's been working, let's counteract what they're doing. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I know. I was just thinking to myself, like, what if it's the opposite way around? Like, what if um, Lampard wasn't thinking, we're going to do this? What if they're thinking, Leeds are going to do this? Like, they're going to play him here, him here. And then what if the spy saw that and then said, right, well, let's not play him there. Let's do this and this. But then you're right, like... Leads should be secure in their self to know yeah. that what they're doing is right. But again, that's why spying is just unnecessary. Like you say, it doesn't gain them much advantage. I think it's wrong. And when I don't want to 
it's just that because I had the last word, you can have the last word if you want, but we could just go on and on and on. Yeah. On that. I think um, I will I think, agree it is it is unnecessary because I think there's so much technology which helps it in other places, but I don't think it's wrong. Yeah. I mean it's banter. And the way he handled it was hilarious and he's got absolute props as well. But I mean I'm happy to leave it there as well. Speaking about hilarious, I'll introduce one other topic just to lighten the mood a little bit, at least on my side. I find it quite funny. Pep Guardiola's comments a few weeks ago about basically saying that the English leagues needed to do what the Spanish league do, you know, when the Real Madrid B team, Barcelona B team play in like the, I think it might be the third tier, is it, of Spanish football? It's not the second tier. Oh, some, some, some is second tier. All right. But uh, he's saying the English team should do that. And uh, I mean, come on. Absolutely uh, like, not. They do they do the EFL trophy thing where the academy play against the uh, the like which so, I know, still Newcastle don't agree league. with. Yeah, but I, I like because the the boys are getting because what's the biggest criticism in the academy is they don't get enough experience against Send them. Send them out on loan then. I know, but yeah, because well, there might be loan restrictions in a few years, you know. But mm. whether that will be the same for under twenty threes, I don't know. But like, and the most famous tweet that came out of it is so right. So it's not no way is this my my thought that I've just, you know, my original thought, but like people, I know from being from Northampton, people around Northampton go to watch their team, love being when their team does well and loves being part of the community. If they're just helping Man City's academy, you know, improve so that Man City can be even better, then they're going to be not interested in that. They want to play against other local teams, you know, derbies. Yeah. They've got no interest in playing against Everton's under 23 squad, you know? No, I don't, I don't agree with Pep at all. He's a clever man, but I yeah. think he's, he's, he's just wrong. He's just wrong. And England is the best league in the world. And then the championships, something like, I'd say, sixth, seventh best league in the world. And there's a reason for that, because it's more than just the 11 players on the pitch. It's more mm. than just the, the manager on the touchline. It's the club as well. And it's it's the passion that England fan ha- England English fans have. And yeah. you don't get that. You don't get, oh, what, what are you doing at the weekend? Or... Oh, Got a big one. We've got popping down Accrington Stanley, Man City, Man City under 21s. Can't wait yeah. to support the boys. You don't get that. You don't get that. Uh, um, so that's why it will never work. It works in Spain, great, but it will yeah. never work here and it should never work. No. Really? So uh, that for me brings an end to the podcast. It it's interesting indeed. topics. Done a lot of news related stuff rather than. Uh, than uh, Purely Premier League related. Obviously, the Premier League is out of action for a week, which is sudden. The FA Cup's here. Um, but if you want to lead us out, as you always do, Joe Blakey, yeah. go for it. As always, follow us on the socials. We are Two Up Top Podcast. We are on the Twitter. We are on the Instagram. We are on the Facebook, the YouTube, the SoundCloud, the iTunes, all the this, all of them. As always, would be massively interested if every time somebody hears me go into this, they're like, oh, that's the end. <laughs> yeah, if it's I, worth I, it. I don't know if anyone listens, but we did get a new subscriber <laughs> the other day. Did you see it? I saw it. You got, got two new. new. Uh, did we? We got one. I saw one of the actual names. Um, yeah. The brother of a of an ex-guest on the show. We did. Jim Neil. Welcome, my friend. Um, and yeah, Welcome. we did. And it's, it's lovely. And as always, share the word. If you enjoy yeah. what we're doing, let us know. Fan mail accepted, absolutely. Ego boosting, all <laughs> over that. Yeah. But as always, it's been a pleasure, Phil Griggs. 
you too my friend I hope you thank, you you thank you for watching thank you for watching